are so happy to have you. Go ahead and stand, and we're going to go ahead and I'll pray real quick, and then we're going to get into worship this morning. Lord, we just love you so much. Jesus, we are here for you this morning. We just, we just want to glorify you and honor you in everything that is said and done and everything we sing this morning as we worship you because it's all for you, Jesus. It's all for you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being our friend. Thank you for being here amongst us and with us. And we are expectant to see you move today in our hearts. We are expectant for breakthrough and change in our hearts today, Jesus. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. And we, we just want to pour our love on you this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come And knowing the path For you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my Promise still stands. Great is your faith. 
Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You never fail me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness.
Shake the mountains, break the walls apart, open the heavens, Almighty God, you are overcomer, defender of my heart. Oh, yes, you are, you are. And by your power, the oceans open wide, your fire falls down, heaven Kids Life, hi. Uh, Kids Life, you guys uh, may be dismissed. And are you guys going to sing a song like, like the Bowser Peaches song, but replace it with Jesus? That'd be fun. Good luck, Angelo. But teenagers, please stay. Uh, you're with us. PG-13 today. So um, please have a seat. The letter to the Ephesians starts with a description of God's rich blessings for us. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with, out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ, as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan 
of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him, you also were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. If you are an already adopted son or daughter, good morning. If you are looking to be adopted, good morning. Um, We welcome you and we want you to understand that we are here for God. Uh, And if you are already a brother or sister, uh, our tithes and offerings, we do uh, a few different ways. You can bring them to the plates here, uh, our uh, box outside, our mailbox, or online, or the Church Center app. Uh, Our website is newlifeastoria.com. If you have not yet joined our family, please disregard. But if you do have an offering, uh, that is the way. I'm not sure how you're coming to Lord today. Um, I also have a few announcements. Uh, today, oh, hold on. I'm bold when I'm reading scripture, but then like I have to read something that I wrote. <laughs> um, so uh, this Tuesday, Rooted begins. Huzzah. And uh, so Rooted is our core discipleship course. Uh, and uh, I facilitate it. Um, we get here, we come together uh, 6.30 on Tuesdays for 10 weeks. We're committed to those 10 weeks. We have a few experiences in there, like a prayer experience and a uh, uh, community service experience. Um, but uh, if you have any questions about it, you can come ask me. And for those who have already signed up, you can get your books uh, from me today. Or if you're not here, uh, uh, I'll see you on Tuesday uh, at 6.30, and I can give you a book then. Um, And also today, uh, God has promised us some workers for his field. So uh, we're having our uh, New Life Basics class. And if you're interested in in serving at our church, we have everybody go through that, and it's just so that there's no questions. It's how our church is. So if you're curious uh, or if you're about to begin serving, uh, please stay after service. Pastor Angelo is going to run through our New Life Basics. And that is it. Thank you. You can give Joey a better hand than that. Very few are built for the podium. I'm not one of them. Joey is. He doesn't think he is, but he is. Morning. Welcome to Wednesday night. I've determined, I've decided to change this series to Wednesday night because this is not something I normally would preach on a Sunday morning. So if you're new to Jesus or you don't know Jesus, just hold on. It'll still be true. 
what we preach. It'll just seem a little bit hard for you. But if Jesus is your Savior and the Holy Spirit's in you, you should be able to handle whatever the Word of God brings. Unless you want to fight it. But that's a whole other story for another day. I started with the title, When Life Gets Handed to You on a Silver Platter. But I changed it this morning to Beware the Bear. Just to tell you where my heart and my mind is right now. Beware the bear. This will make a whole lot more sense when we get to the end. Let's, uh, let's stand. Can, can we do that and just turn to somebody on your left or right and say, I'm glad that you're here. And don't, don't lie if you're not. I mean, be honest. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I'm grateful that the teenagers are with us today. This is um, not the beginning of the series that we're going to do that will impact them, I believe, greatly. But this is part of it. I believe it will help them in their spiritual lives. I, this, this is something that I wish I would have learned uh, as a young man, uh, Lord God. Not, um, it's, it's truth that would, help me, would have helped me be a better believer, would have helped me to be a better husband, would have helped me to be a better student, would have helped me to be a better everything. So I just pray that you encourage us with that today. But Father, this isn't just for teenagers today. This is for adults who maybe they're in their teenage years spiritually and they need a little more understanding of what, what's expected of you or from you. So I just pray that you encourage us all, Lord God. And, and the older ones in the building, Lord God, those of us that have been following Jesus for 50 years or so, uh, Father, help this to wake us up, to help the younger generation to be better Christians, be, to be better people for your name. We love you, Jesus, and thank you. And Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, y'all may be seated. We are in a season, not a series. We are in a season. We've been in it since November. I thought I was one, one sermon away from being done, but I've just added two more. So... Yeah, yeah, clap now, <laughs> but forever hold your peace. Um, it's where we are as a church. I think it's where we are in, in America, and it's the story of Gideon. And just to give you a summary, I'm, I'm going to summarize several things today. Gideon had come a long way. His people had stopped following the one true God, and they started following a false God for provision. They started to look to their other gods to provide for them. And God, as God is, took offense to this idolatry and brought them an army that was starving their families. God says, if you're not going to worship me, I'm going to let, let, let them provide for you, and they won't. They'll steal from you. And God brought a man of God to preach the word of God to the people of God about coming back to God. And when Israel repented of their sin, God sought a man to lead them to defeat the enemy that God had put in place to discipline them. That man was Gideon. Now, some things we haven't talked about a lot with Gideon is Gideon lost several of his brothers and sisters, mainly brothers, in this battle. He had lost, this cost him family. And Gideon had sons who bore the witness of their father's life. So he had sons watching them. He had lost brothers and, brothers and he had sons that were witness to what God had done in his life. 
from the pain and loss of their father's brothers to the number of times God answered their father's prayer. So there was good and bad. They watched God remove Gideon's help going from 32,000 men to help him to 300. That would be, as a child, that'd be like, why would God take away my father's help? They learned about their father's crazy battle plan, a lamp, a light, and a shout. You don't fight with that. They watched their father lead a tiny army to victory, so they got to see God do great things in their father's life. And they watched their father discipline his family, Israel, for not supporting him in the battle, which is what we talked about last Sunday. So they were witness to what was going on in Gideon's life, in their father's life. I'm just going to tell you, parents, right now, you've got children that are watching you. They're paying attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it. They're, they're learning about who God is by watching how you follow God. Now Gideon, having defeated the enemy on the inside and on the outside, he offers up his eldest son, Jether, an opportunity of a lifetime. And that's where we'll start in Judges chapter 8 and verse 18. Then he, speaking of Gideon, said to Ziba and Zalmunna, which is the kings of Midian, the enemy, were the men whom you killed at Tabor? And they answered, as you are, so were they. Every one of them resembled the son of a king. And he, Gideon, said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had saved them alive, I would not kill you. So then he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise and kill them. But the young man didn't draw his sword because he was, he was afraid because he was still a young man. Meaning he had enough age that he could carry a sword, but he was afraid to use it. He could have got revenge for the death of his uncles. He could have got revenge for the mistreatment of his people who he watched suffer. Gideon tells his son, eldest son, rise and kill them. But Jether didn't draw his sword because he was young and afraid. This was an opportunity handed to Jether on a silver platter. He was given something valuable and it cost him nothing. If we know the story of Gideon, Jether never had to beat wheat in a wine press to provide for his family in a difficult time. Teenagers don't understand that sometimes dad has to work really hard to put food on the table. Or, or mom. Jether never had to expose his doubts about God to God himself. It's one thing to expose your doubts to other people, but it's another thing to tell God, I don't believe you. Jether never had to proclaim publicly his weakness. He never had to serve sinners. He never had to tear down his father's idols. He never had to face an angry congregation upset over him cutting down their idols. He never had to face any of that. He never had to publicly question God's plan by laying out a fleece. He never had to wonder why God was taking away all of, God, all of his father's human ability for victory. Telling men to go home because you're fearful and telling men to go home because you're prideful. Jether never had to do any of that. Jether never had to get so close to an enemy that he could almost hear them breathe. And he never had to lead an army without any real weapons. But he was given an opportunity of a lifetime. He never had to chase an enemy so long that he didn't know whether he could go much farther. He never had to be wounded by the betrayal of his family and realize the greater enemy was on the inside than on the outside. Jether never had to experience any of that. He just got to watch his father experience it. 
Jether got life handed to him on a silver platter. An opportunity that was once in a lifetime. He was given this opportunity above the 300 who fought for, for his father. The ones who probably should have deserved the right to get vengeance. It's a pretty special moment. Just get up and kill them. He was not asked to face an enemy greater than him. And the two men he faced were probably bound and couldn't fight back anyway. So it's not like he was attacking the enemy that was going to attack back. He was attacking an enemy that was bound and overpowered. Just get up and kill them, his father said. Dad served it up on a silver platter. Dad went through all the struggles. Dad went through all the battles. Just get up and kill them. But he couldn't do it because he was afraid and young, because he was young. Now this offended the kings of Midian. Because great warriors, if they're going to die, they want to die at the hands of a great warrior. They don't want to die at the hands of a boy. In verse 21 of Judges chapter 8, the Bible says, Then Ziba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian, said, Rise yourself and fall on us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and killed Ziba and Zalmunna. Gideon was trying to do two things. He was trying to mock an enemy by letting a young man end their lives. But he's also trying to allow his son to end this season of difficulty so that maybe in the future he could have been a leader in Israel. But Gideon had to finish the job. And what's troubled me for months is this statement made by the enemy. For as the man is, so is his strength. The enemy said, for as the man is, so is his strength. Opportunity got handed to Jether, but he was too weak, too young, too scared to handle it. And I kind of believe this to be true. When life gets handed to us on a silver platter, we rarely take full advantage of the opportunity. We might appreciate the opportunity, but we don't take full advantage of it. And I'm concerned about the next generation of American Christians. Because I believe that God has handed you a moment in time when it's the easiest to know and serve God in the history of mankind. I'm not saying the world has gotten better, the world has gotten worse. But for American Christianity, at this moment in time, it has never been easier to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Do you realize there was a time, and there still is in other countries, where just by proclaiming that Jesus Christ is your Savior, people will kill you and have killed throughout history. If you go to church, they will kill you for going to church. But what's interesting today is it kills you to come to church. Amen. Because it's just so easy to do. We don't take advantage of it. Do you realize there was a time in history when the only scripture that was available to a, to a congregation of people may have been the book of John? And then you had to go to another church that had the book of James in another community. And they would read and share the book of James around their church. And when they got done with the book of James, then they would trade it with a, 
with a church that had the book of John and they had traded it around. So you didn't have your own Bibles. You didn't have a Bible on your phone. You didn't have 14 Bible apps. You had a Bible you had to share with somebody else and you had to wait your turn to get to read the scripture. You had to be patient. And then once you read it, you wanted to read it again, but they were trading it for a book of Acts. And I, you know, I want to find out what's going on in the book of Acts. And yet what amazes me is how well they knew God, though they didn't have as much scripture as we do today. They knew who God was. They knew the word of God. Do you realize there was a time in history when in your community there's only one available church? You couldn't pick and choose. You couldn't get mad at the church and leave and go find another church. Amen. That means you had to do two things. You had to stay right with God and you had to stay right with the people you were doing church with. Or there would be no place for you to go. But now you can go anywhere you want. You can go as long as you want. You can go if you want. It's really easy. Do you realize there was a time in history when the choice to trust God with your tithe or make life a little more comfortable, the choice was always to trust God with the tithe? I know. There we go. Here we go. There he goes. I'm not even into what I'm going to teach on that yet today. But now we, we look at a bigger house or a better this or a better that or more of this. Whatever makes me more comfortable rather than trusting what God said in his word to obey and, and do. There was a time in history when the only way provision would come would be through the passionate prayers of God's people. And I thought of the fishermen in this place and how they have to pray, fill my nets so I can feed my family. And sometimes that's just not a prayer saying, Fill my nets. That is, God, if you don't fill my nets, I can't feed my family. I can't pay my mortgage. There was a time where you had to passionately pray for God to provide for you. Faith in Jesus Christ, I believe, has been handed to you on a silver platter, yet with a devil bound by God, you still won't rise up and kill. Do you realize the building you're sitting in and the chairs you're sitting on and the pastor who's preaching to you has been handed to you on a silver platter and for many of you it's cost you nothing? Do you know that this church survived the first 35 years with 35 people? 35 years, 35 people. And those 35 years, that 35 people prayed for you to be saved and you probably heard the gospel because God answered their prayers, not yours. In that 35 years, that 35 people, most of them on limited incomes, did their best to support their pastors financially. They bought a piece of property, built a building, and built an addition to that building. Everything you're seeing and sitting on came from somebody who sacrificed. We had a, a guy start coming on a Wednesday night. He just randomly started showing up. He was living on $700 a month. And he had a passion to make sure children knew about Jesus Christ. So he literally gave our church $7,000 to buy two shuttle buses. He lived on $700 a month, but so wanted children to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that he gave us $7,000 so that we could bring children to church. 
And I got people now who want to, I've had people say to me, not, maybe not too many church members, a couple of you, say, we, maybe we should just close down the children's ministry. Maybe, maybe we should just not do it. We don't have enough workers anyway. We don't have enough help. Yet a man with $700 a month gives $7,000 to buy two buses for children so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They built a children's ministry to share the gospel with, with the children of our community. They shared the gospel with every door in Astoria multiple times. This church has shared the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community multiple times to multiple people. They fought off enemies from the inside. They found a way to be faithful in prayer. It was an amazing group. Do you realize there was a time when people studied the Bibles without the internet, without all the sermons, and without the Bible uh, devotions? They had nothing but a strong concordance, a Bible, and a dictionary. They had nothing but a... You remember that, some of you? All you had was a strong concordance, a dictionary, and it probably wasn't even the right dictionary. It probably wasn't the 1828 Webster's like it should be. Amen. The, older the, the older the language, you need to get closer to the original meaning. And yet they studied to show themselves to prove unto God a workman needed not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We had deacons, some older than Moses himself. Arnie and Ed <coughs> took care of the properties, the widows, the work of God, and their pastor. And they were too old. They shouldn't have been doing it. <laughs> Pastors who had to serve with humility, with little pay and little encouragement, that anything would ever change. I've spoken to sev several of them who had pastored this church before and heard their stories of starvation and separation but also of salvation. They were faint yet pursuing, giving their lives for the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything this generation has been given to them has been handed to them on a silver platter. And all you're asked to do is rise up and kill. I'm not trying to be one of those complaining old men who wants to talk about this younger generation because I'm talking about this whole generation as a season in time. It just seems like even the older generation, the mature generation in this, the mature believers in this generation seem to be very weak. And it made me think about my father's generation who knew real hunger. Real hunger. Not, now, you, now you can't afford Fred Meyer type food, you've got to buy Walmart food. Right? Walmart brand. What is the Walmart brand? Best whatever? Best something? Everything's best. It's really cheap. But it's food. My father's generation knew a world war against true evil. Hitler. Not made up evil. It seems like our government is made up with some. My father's generation knew the real struggles and the value of raising children. More than two or three. My father had to support eight kids, five boys. If you've got a five, if you've got a, a, a 16 year old, you know how much they eat. Try that five times. 
and having to go out and support that family so that they would have food on the table. And I think about my mother having to raise eight kids. And we were all perfect angels. That's why she had a farm. She said, just go out in the field and I don't want to see what you're doing. Just go away. See, some of you, even with your two kids, need a bigger place. As the man is, so will his strength be. I honestly believe that this generation, this moment in time, isn't a challenge to the enemy. Satan doesn't have to try to defeat you because you're already defeated. And I believe he's crying out to the Gideon saying, rise up and kill. Would you make this kind of a challenge? Which is why we're preaching Wednesday night sermons on a Sunday morning now. Here's the hard part for me about the sermon. There was no coming back for Jether. He missed out on his opportunity. You know what scares me is that this generation is going to miss out on an opportunity to serve God and to get victory like they've never seen before, but you're going to miss out because you're too young and too afraid. Even though it's handed to you on a silver platter, So I thought this. If you're a new Christian or a non-Christian, like if this is all new to you and I'm scaring you to death, that's good. But this is all new to you. So you're, you're, you're just growing and trying to figure some of this Bible stuff out, some, some of this Christianity stuff out. Or maybe you're searching, you're trying to find out what's the deal with this Christianity? What's, what's going on with these guys? Why are they so weird? That's a story for another day. My suggestion to you is pay attention to those who've been doing this a long time. Especially those to whom it's cost them a lot. And go up to them and invite them to lunch. And you pay. And don't ask them random weird Bible questions that you could find on some weird internet site. Ask them why they do it. Ask them why they do it. Ask them how they did it. Ask them what made them continue to do it. Because I'm not sure that this generation is going to last much longer with with the spiritual things going on in your lives. I think you can be mature and immature at the same time. And this is a, a mature, immature time. Ask them, why would you sacrifice so much of your earthly life for people who don't appreciate it? Who reject you. Because Jesus said if they rejected him, they're going to reject us. And if you're not being rejected, you're probably not doing Christianity right. I'm not saying be be a jerk. But share the truth. Why would they, ask them this question, why would you suffer for nothing more than a book called the Bible and a message of the gospel? Why would you suffer for this book? Because this is the true evidence of salvation for me is that you would be willing to suffer for the word of God. See, for Gideons, this isn't about religion. It is about the Bible and what it says and what it says to us about our future. So ask them that question. Buy them lunch. Buy them lunch. 
Work a second job if you have to pay for it. (laughs) And just sit down and shut up. And listen to what they have to say. You will gain more understanding of what God is doing and why God is doing it in the lives of people who have been doing it for a long time. They'll give you the encouragement and the education that you need to survive the next 20 years. Ask them how to survive. For as a man is, so is his strength. If you've been a Christian a few years, I'm going to kind of rip on you a little bit. If you've been a Christian a few years, you should know your Bible by now. If you've been a Christian for a few years, you should know your Bible by now. Shown by your obedience to what the Word of God says. You should be trusting every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's not like you don't have a Bible to read. It's not like you haven't been educated. It's not like you don't have an opportunity to hear the Word of God preached every week. And if you've been listening for three years to the Word of God being preached, and if you've been reading your Bible for three years, at some point in time you should know and do something. Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said, this is in words of red. Woe to you. Woe. Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. I don't have to teach that. It teaches itself. Do you trust the word of God? You should be faithful in prayer by now. You've been saved for three years plus. You should know how to pray and know who you're praying to. You should have answers to prayer. Don't you think if you've been praying for three years, you should have some answers to prayer? You should have a belief in prayer that when you have problems, you just call upon God and he'll answer. You should have no problem praying publicly. Why? Because you're not praying to us, you're praying to him. And we're not going to celebrate the beautiful words you say to us. We're going to celebrate the beautiful words you say to him, no matter how stupid they sound when they come out of your mouth. For whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. You shouldn't be ashamed to call upon God. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we should be able to see your peace. Uh, We should be able to see in your peace your prayer life. So you're struggling with anxiety. All it teaches me is you don't know how to pray. Or you haven't been praying. I'm just reading what the scripture says. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, which we didn't put that verse up. You should be faithful in prayer. Amen. You should have some self-control over your sin. You should recognize the Holy Spirit's conviction. Conviction. 
If you've been saved for three years, there's a point in time where you should recognize the Holy Spirit's trying to challenge you about a sin that's going on in your life. And he's trying to tell you you need to change your ways. You should know and repent when your sin's called out. You should know to repent when your sin's called out. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you about something that you're doing, you should repent. Don't go blaming others for what you've done. You deal with you, 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 you deal with you, 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 you. And you should know how to respect God's desire for holiness. You should realize, if you've been saved for three years, over three years, you should know that God desires us to be holy for he is holy. Let me give you the verse. 1 Peter 1.15 But as he has called you, but he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. A three-year-old Christian should know that, that God desires us to do right things, to do according to his word, to live a holy life. If you've been saved for three years plus, you should be an active part of your church. Trustworthy in your attendance, sacrificial of your time, seeking unity and reconciliation always because we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. shouldn't sit around and complain about your church. You should find ways to encourage people. Let me just give you the verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works. Instead of stirring up discord. Amen. Sitting on your couch, you're having, having attacks on the church. It tells me you're an immature Christian. Neglect, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some means some have a habit of not neglecting to, or, or neglecting to meet together. You make a habit of not attending, not participating, not being faithful. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day of drawing near. I don't know any Christian that's been, that's been a Christian for over three years that doesn't realize that Jesus Christ is coming soon. The end is near. And if you don't know that, you better start reading the book because you'll find out he's coming soon. And you better be prepared. Okay, this is fun. For as the man is, so is his strength. All you're doing is showing your strength in your spiritual walk with God. If you've been in this fight for over 25 years, I went from three years to 25. That gives you a lot of time to play. If you've been in this fight for 25 years, you should be a resource for faith, not a retirement. You should be a resource for faith. You should be thinking about what you're going to leave the next generation spiritually. Yes, think about what you're leaving your kids financially. Leave them something. But what they need is more God, not more gold. For as the man is, so is his strength. My dad left his family an inheritance, both financial and spiritual. In fact, on his tombstone, it says, hands to work, hearts to God. He taught us how to work hard, and he taught us how to worship true. He left us a legacy of spirituality. Many are immature because the mature won't teach. And there's a couple reasons for that. And the younger generation is sitting there saying, yeah, yeah, they won't teach. Well, let me tell you why. 
Because you look to your peers for inspiration. And you look to the internet for your information. I'm just being honest that Christianity was developed by God to share from person to person. Face to face. Individual to individual. The older generation puts retirement though over responsibility. And the younger generation, I can just keep going. The younger generation seek respect without giving respect. I find the younger generation has a tendency to be very disrespectful towards the elder people in their lives. Let me give you some verses. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 32. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. You guys make fun of me because I make fun of of um, Verlin being an old man, but I'm just giving him honor because his old man means he's a very spiritual man in my life. And you shall fear the Lord your God. I am the Lord. I love this. Let me just read it one more time because it's all in one sentence. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. This is directly from God himself saying you better respect the old man and the old woman in your life. I'm sorry, I'll give you a New Testament reference just because you're going to say, well, that's Old Testament. The principle still applies, but I'll give you a New Testament just to make you feel better. 1 Peter 5.5 Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In the same context and text, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. But it also says, "Be subject, you younger, be subject to the elders. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses, I think it's 22 through 25, maybe 23 to 25. And Elisha just got anointed, and Elijah had just gone to heaven. And Elisha was going back into the, into the land of Israel to do the work that God had called him to. And he walks into this city and there's some boys, I think 25 of them, I think it says something like that. And they're mocking Elisha. Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And God hears that. God hears that disrespect towards a a more mature man, especially a man of God. And he sends two she-bears out. Who eats all those little boys? Christine's laughing. That is a mother's laugh, right? And I thought about that. You might want to beware the bear. God doesn't take lightly disrespect of more mature Christians. I'm going to say it one more time. God does not take lightly disrespect of mature Christians. But you know what? Some of you who claim to be afraid of God or have fear of God aren't fearful of God. And I'm just warning you, beware the bear. God takes disrespect. He doesn't take it lightly. 
Proverbs 16, 31, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. It's not gained in just a few years of knowing your Bible and reading your Bible. It comes from years of following Jesus and suffering and sacrificing for the kingdom of God. I didn't get these gray hairs. If I wasn't a pastor, I would be dark-haired right now. And if I didn't have stuff in my hair, you'd see just how white I am. I have a gray hat and a gray jacket, and I have my gray hair. I look like I'm just gray. Everything. I just look like an old man now. Plus this thing going on with my throat. I don't know what that is. See, when something is handed to you on a silver platter, it generally comes from somebody giving you something they have fought and paid for. Parents wouldn't like your kids to understand that everything that they have in their life came from a sacrifice that you made for them and in service to them, for them. You want the best for them. That you fought and paid for? Don't you want them to appreciate what they have, not depreciate it? In our story, Gideon and 300 fought for and paid for the opportunity for Jether. The gray hair, some might say silver, gave the opportunity that he didn't take advantage of. For as the man is, so is his strength. See, I think the silver platter is the mature Christians in your life. And I think that our experiences and our suffering and our sacrifice for the kingdom and the things of God over the years should be appreciated and listened to. Because we are who we are because of our faith in God. And we've suffered and struggled and sacrificed so that you would have opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a community that you may not have had without our work and our labor and our sacrifice. For as a man is, so is his strength. What you do with it will prove who you really are. Many younger Christians need to learn to rise up and kill. And I just wonder how afraid Satan is of this next generation. I wonder if he's like I said this is the name. Sieben Zalmana. I think I said that right. I wonder if he's up there saying, send me a warrior, would you please? Don't let me die at these people that don't care about the things of God. Don't let me die with, with, from the disrespectful. Don't let me die from the weak. If, if, if Satan's going to die, listen, that's, that's why Jesus plays such a heavy part in Satan's demise into hell. For as a man is, so is his strength. Let me close with two verses that come to mind that we didn't put on the wall. Because I don't want to just beat you down or beat you up today. I want to tell you that you're stronger than you think you are if you step into the things of God by faith. And, and we who have been fighting this battle for years have no problem handing, it, handing an opportunity to you on a silver platter. We have no problem helping you 
to get victory in your life and to defeat devil, the devil. Because that's what my desire is. Because someday I'm not going to be here. Someday I'm going to be in heaven. And I'm going to be watching what's going on down here. Amen? And what I want to see is I want to see you guys cutting off the heads of the enemy. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 9. Isaiah 41, 9. You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And the verse that goes with that is Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you will, shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me declares the Lord. For as the man is, so is his strength. What kind of man or woman in Christ are you? What kind of man or woman in Christ are you? And if we gave you the opportunity of a lifetime, would you take advantage of it? Or not? I say it again. I believe that this right now, this moment right now, the world might be going crazy, but it's still easy to be a Christian. It's easy to be a part of a church. It's easy to serve God. It's easy to trust God. But it's going to get hard. How many of you are going to still be following Jesus when that happens? And use the excuse, well, I'm just too young. Beware the bear. but take advantage of the silver platter. Let's stand and pray. Father, I do not know everyone in the room. I do not know their hearts. I do not know whether they're young or old. I do not know where they are in their spiritual life. But I know that you do. And I know that you have offered up opportunity for us on a silver platter. That your son Jesus died for our sins. And he gave us a life through the Holy Spirit that is like no other life we could ever live. We know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know that with Jesus Christ we can do all things. Because he strengthens us. The question is, when given the opportunity, will we take advantage of it? With those in this room, when given the opportunity, Lord, if there's, there's some who don't know Christ as their Savior, when given the opportunity to trust Christ, will they take that step of faith, surrender their sins up to, the, to Jesus, and call upon
upon you to be their Savior. Surrendering their life, their whole life to the kingdom. Oh, and given the opportunity of salvation while they reject it. Father, will those who have accepted Christ as their Savior and have been given the opportunity of a better life, a new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do they take advantage of that? Or will they miss out because they wouldn't rise up and kill? Father, those who've been saved for three years to 25, have they been taking advantage of the advantage that you gave them in Christ? To have your word, to follow your word, to trust your word, to live your word, and to let the world see that you're true by their word. Are they willing to rise up and kill? And Father, those 25 plus, I've been blessed with some really good Christians in my life. My prayer is that they would be teachers of the younger generation. And that the younger generation would allow them to teach them things how to be better husbands, how to be better wives, how to be better Christians. The aged women would teach the younger women how to love their husbands, but the younger women have to let the aged women teach them. I believe this is an opportunity to rise up and kill. The question is, will they? Will they? Will they, Father? I don't know. Jesus, we pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know if if it would have helped Jether to confess his sin. I don't know if it would have helped him to surrender his life. I'm not sure what your next step is, but I know this. There's a step that God's asking you to move on. What is it? Let's pray one last time. Father, maybe there's one in the room that needs to beware the bear. There are people in this room who fought a valiant battle and have gotten victory over the devil. And they just want the younger generation to come in and be partners with them and take part in the the blessing that they provided. But I think personally, Father, this moment's on the younger generation. That they need to surrender their pride and humble themselves, not just in your sight, but in the sight of your people. That they would be open to hearing listening to and being taught by a generation that has fought this fight for a long time. Father, let me, let me never disrespect those who have gone before me and have served this ministry up on a silver platter for me. Let me not disrespect it. 
let me appreciate it. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If the Lord's touching your heart about something, the altar's open. Maybe you know you're not rising up and killing. God's given you opportunity. God's given you an opportunity and you haven't taken advantage of it. You haven't taken advantage of the opportunity of your salvation. That You have the peace of God which passes all understanding. You haven't taken advantage of the spiritual men and women that God has put in your life. You haven't shared all that you've known and done for the kingdom with somebody who's in a younger position. Our teenagers need adults spiritually to speak into their lives more than just their parents. You and the younger generation you need to thank God that he's put the older people in your life that have learned what they've learned and can share it with you. You ought to repent of seeking your peers when God's given you someone greater to speak to. Some of you have had grandparents who have followed Jesus passionately. When was the last time you went up to them and just said, Papa or Mama, teach me what you know about God. How have you been faithful all these years? How have you been obedient to the word of God so well? And then some of you older generation, you need to be open and share the truth with them. Tell them how hard it's been, how difficult it's been. Tell them about when you've struggled, but how God got the victory. Serve them up a life that is better on a silver platter, a life of faith and hope and joy. But then give them the courage to rise up and kill, to take advantage of the opportunity. Father, again, I've done what you've asked me to. I've said what you've told me to. Without your spirit moving in their hearts, I can't do anything. 
And without their spirits be opening to your spirit, you can't do anything. So I look to you for your work. To see the fruit of repentance, restoration, and rejoicing in Jesus Christ. Encourage our hearts today, Lord God, as we leave this place to be meditating on what you've said to us and responding to what you what your words are clear. We love you and Jesus we pray. And all God's people said. And thanks for coming today, guys. Have a great afternoon. God bless.